Good morning and welcome into the show. Thanks for tuning in today. We appreciate it. As always, it is 9 a.m. on the East Coast. It is 6 a.m. out west and all time zones in between and around the world. It is Daniel Wortman coming to you live from the Dreamaginate Sports Studios. Hope you're having a great day. It's Friday, May the 1st. Hopefully, it's another day closer to the end of this uh, pandemic. Hope you're staying safe out there and um, those closest to you are doing well. A lot of a uh, lot of rumors uh, surrounding uh, you know where we're at and what leagues are going to go you know go back online and what leagues are going to cancel and you know there there's just until announcements are made there's just no way to to, to fully know um, you know where where we're going to be but um, the the bottom line is that we are. Uh, we're just in a place of uncertainty and, and we've talked about it recently on the show, uh, how, you know, uncertainty, uh, factors into, um, you know, the greater landscape of American soccer and how you, and and how the Federation doesn't do a lot to, to alleviate uncertainty, to, to create a sense of, of security and confidence, uh, in the marketplace, and instead they abandon a lot of their leadership responsibilities, obligations, um, and and instead uh, it it is a um, it, it's a it's a kind of a vacating of duties, and it's the wild west in its place, and um, that is that is certainly. Um, you know, a, a situation where um, we see ourselves and, and when we zoom out into the global picture, what's going on? What is what is taking place around the world? You know, what kind of insights can we gain? It's a mixed bag. You know, some leagues have canceled. Some leagues are holding out. Uh, we, we, we don't know where all of that is going uh, either. And because of that it may, it does it does create uncertainty uh around the world and um you know in in so doing um you you have where we are today now on another um front uh i was i was looking at um uh, an article back from january um that was in soccer today and it was an interview that uh, that they did with uh, Diane Scavuzzi did with Scavuzzo did with Paul Breitner. Uh, what needs to change in American youth soccer? And he had some interesting things to say. I don't know if 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 everything he said from a you know um, German perspective is applicable to the American perspective, but I do think there are some 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 things that we should. Um, you know, kind of examine, rethink um, in a way compared to what he was saying. Um, And, you know, he is, um, he's someone that, uh, you know, that sees the game differently than a lot of American coaches. 
um, you know, the first question that, that Diane asked of Paul uh, is a question that, that I've heard asked about Iniesta and Xavi, uh, even Messi. Uh, three players that that are are not the tallest players in the world, and she she asked him if 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 Paul were a, a player who had been developed in America, would we have gone on to be a professional player who scored in two World Cup finals? And his response was one word: never. And that that is the feeling from a lot of incredible uh, footballers around the world that the American market just doesn't value the same things that has been valued around the world. Um, she followed that up with, with the question of, you know, so you don't believe you would have grown into the player you became if you had been developed in our current youth soccer world. He said, no, I would have developed as the same as 100 other players in the U.S. You have the same types of players and everyone has to learn the same moves. She said, you are one of the most successful soccer players in the world. Tell me what is important for a soccer player to be successful. He said, a soccer player has to do his job feeling free and not being commanded and demanded. A soccer player cannot have every step and every move commanded. He went on to say that that the big issue, as he sees it, is that there's there's too uh, much focus on soccer players being athletes. Um, he said a soccer player is a player, not an athlete. Soccer players are artists. W- what he's meaning by just being an athlete is he it's it's not you know it, if you were to look at the 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 prototypical American um, player design. If they could draw up a player, who would it look like? It would look like Ronaldo. For, for, for most of American soccer, they value bigger, faster, stronger. He's got all of the looks that American soccer cherishes. They value, they covet. And, and so when Paul says they're, they're not athletes, what he's talking about is that it's not just about being physically fit or bigger, faster, stronger. There's more to it. There have been, you know, physically gifted players uh, in, in world football. And that has not necessarily been the cause for their success. If Cristiano Ronaldo only focused on the things American soccer have generally focused on, he would not have become CR7. He might have been a professional, but he wouldn't be who he is. And that goes to really what he's trying to say, which is soccer players are are creative players. They're artists. They're, they're intelligent players. It doesn't mean you have to be a mad genius, but we we have uh, confused this idea that a footballer that a soccer player um, has to be somebody that can outrun you out jump you um, that outlast you in 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 a purely physical context and so when we look at rosters and we go man that kid can't run or that kid's not you know very fast or that kid's not very tall etc we we kind of set them to the side and and we look at the kid who's who's quick 
man, he's got quick feet. Ooh, he can outrun them. Ooh, and we get caught up in the in the physicality. But where is the men- mentality that complements that? Where's the artistry, the creativity, the 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 intelligence of the player? One of the reasons why our system, there are many reasons why our American youth system is struggling to produce players at a rate and at a level compared to the rest of the world or better than most of the world is because of many factors. We've talked about pay-to-play soccer on on the show many times. One of the areas where I think the, the struggle is real and not talked about enough is this subject, this context. What Paul Breitner was was really laying out is the reason we struggle is the picture that we have in our minds. And, and what I mean by that is we're looking at the wrong metrics to judge a player. We don't look at their intelligence we don't look at their creativity we don't look at their innovation we don't look at their flair we don't look at their technicality we we it's much easier to walk by a training session and pick out the biggest the fastest the strongest kid but we've gone too far in relying on that physical traits physical success and we haven't we haven't actually factored in who they are as a player. How do they really play? If you want to see this kind of really play out, it's it's really really easy to see when you go overseas and you watch a group of American players play overseas. In the American market, it doesn't get as exposed because coaches aren't necessarily looking for the same things that are looked at overseas, which is the whole point, right? We, we focus on the wrong things. Go overseas and watch some of these players come over, development academy players, players who have played in MLS academies. Watch them play. Observe them. And you're going to find that the players have been brought up in an environment that, that respects certain things that the rest of the world just doesn't consider as important. And the things that are important, the intelligence, the creativity, the problem solving, when it's not there, the coaches are like, yeah, he's, he's physical. He's fast. Yeah, that's great. He, is, he, he doesn't know how to play the game. And I've seen this play out many times watching players come over to try to make it in Europe, get a chance, just one chance. It, excuse me, and it's part of the failure of our system. We focus on the wrong things. Speaking of focusing on things, you should focus today while you're at your computer. Take a moment and... Um, and go to ductigbrand.com, D-U-K-T-I-G brand.com. And when you do, um, focus on that T-shirt or that journal, that planner, and um, and place that order. Put it in your cart, place that order, and use promo code DWSHOW. You'll get 10% off of that order. 
today at ductigbrand.com. D-U-K-T-I-G brand.com. Use promo code DWSHOW and you'll get 10% off of that order. We'll be right back after this. into the show on this Friday morning, and uh, we are glad to have back on the show uh, Dan Honeman of uh, Minneapolis City SC. Dan, welcome in. How are you this morning? I'm pretty good. Thanks for having me. Uh, It's a beautiful Friday here in Minnesota, and gosh, it almost feels like soccer season. Well, you know, it should be soccer season. It is soccer season. It's just we're not playing soccer, as we all know, and it's, uh, you know, it. I, I was I was telling uh, someone yesterday that uh, I, I just wanted to see all the leagues finish, and regardless of who's going to claim the title, and 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 who who doesn't want to just watch the football <laughs> to get right, there, right? right? Uh, you know, so I mean, some of these fans saying I, I just just cancel the season. I'm like, why? Oh, do do you not like the game? <laughs> I mean, why? Why? Like, l- let's finish. Um, 
It's just, it's crazy. Uh, I know you guys have been caught up in this as well. Uh, you know, the NPSL uh, announcing uh, weeks ago that uh, one of, really one of the first leagues uh, that I can recall um, to just say, you know what, we're done. We're canceling. Um, you know, what, what went into that decision and why make it so soon? Uh, for you guys in, as a league, were you part of those conversations? Um, so I, I wasn't directly part of those conversations, although they were relatively decentralized, which I think is a good thing. So, um, you know, they were talking about it at the league board level. And then um, there were discussions within each conference uh, that went back to the board and then the, the board made the decision that way. It's interesting because, um, you know, when the decision was happening, my personal position was, um, yes, we need to make, we need to be decisive about it. And the league was decisive and, you know, good for them for doing this. But uh, my personal position was, well, you know, it's a little early. What if we took a couple weeks, you know, we're not starting yet. But um, I was reminded that there were the NPSL California teams already in season. They'd already played two or three games. And so, um, you know, I think what drove the NPSL decision um, was that, you know, almost a hundred teams that big geography teams are already playing. And I think that decisiveness is pretty important because it's one thing to, uh, lock down figure out you're not going to play and look forward to next season or whatever else you're going to do. It's a different thing, um, uh, particularly for those teams in season to put things on hold. Should they be training their players? Is it safe to train their players? When are they going to come back? You know, there are a lot of those questions that, um, as as things have gone on and it started to hit us, um, that we've started to to ask ourselves. So, um, you know, it was kind of a, a long way of saying, gosh, I, I wish it didn't have to happen, but the, the California teams really drove it. Um, and the discussions in conferences. I know in our conference there are a number of teams who um, wanted to make the decision, wanted to actually make the decision to – uh, to cancel because they were feeling a lot of pressure from uh, sponsors who, uh, you know, were, were themselves struggling, uh, facilities availability. You know, there are a lot of factors that, um, were sort of cascading down. Um, and, uh, it was, they just needed a decision to be made. And again, kind of credit to the NPSL for making it. So in, in terms of, uh, the cancellation of the season, as it, relates to Minneapolis city SC internally, what, what were your club's conversations? You, you your season hadn't begun uh, yet. Now you have a canceled season and you're looking at, okay, what if things come back uh, or at least somewhat come back uh, in a, in the window when we normally like to play, what do we do? What, what were those internal conversations like, for you guys as a club, uh, as you were, you know, trying to decide, you know, first about where you land on, do you cancel the NPSL season or not? And then the aftermath of that cancellation, as it specifically related to you guys. Well, we were in a, we were in a, um, maybe a different situation from some of the clubs because we were maybe a week out from uh, our first open cup game. So we had been in full swing, you know, training three days a week for a couple of months now. Um, we had our new long sleeve, uh, special U S open cup jerseys with the travel plans. You know, we were, we were locked in to leave in a matter of days. 
out of fly Chicago. So, um, and then the, the open cup decision happened and then the NPSL decision right on its heels. So for us, um, we were, we were in full swing and things came to a screaming halt. Um, and there was a little bit of sort of scramble because we had to, you know, we had all these commitments to training facilities and then we had to work with us soccer on, uh, what, you know, what do we do for, um, the travel plans and the hotels and how does that work and the credits. And, you know, so we, we probably had a couple of weeks of just scrambling to, to, um, to bring things to a halt. Um, and then, um, you know, we have our, we have a team, our, um, U23 team that plays in the UPSL. And, and then we've been having a lot of conversations with other, other teams. Can we play? When can we play? And we have a, a member board. So made up of our, uh, our fan members. And we've been talking to them, um, about kind of like the decision-making process and what should we do and, and what's safe and all that. So there was this, there was this flurry of activity, um, early on call after call. And, um, what we ended up, you know, and, and so we ended up just sort of, uh, getting everything stopped, you know, <laughs> like the train took a while to stop. Um, and then we, we looked around and we've been spending the time since then looking for options. Um, you know, are we going to be able to play this summer? Um, I, and I wish we knew, but, um, you know, we, we still don't yet. Um, you know, as you know, our state's uh, stay at home order gets extended, uh, you know, what other clubs are going to play, what facilities are available. There are a lot of those questions that, um, you know, things change day to day. Yeah, I mean, one thing that I don't think people really fully grasp, I I talk about it on the show a lot. It's it's this uh topic of uncertainty and that when you create uncertainty in a marketplace, there are detrimental uh effects that happen. Uh, it's you know, th- th- there are lawsuits r- even right now with the federation over the uncertainty. So the, the, you know, the idea that, that the professional league standards, for example, have been altered over time and, and you get this feeling that, um, you know, the goalposts are constantly shifting. And so even when you're making plans to meet one, one goal or a benchmark, uh, the, the standards get moved again. And, and, and then you, you kind of back to square one, you have to start over and, I think this might be one of the first kind of uh, clear moments for the American soccer fan to really get a, you know, a, um, a really good view of what uncertainty does to the American soccer um, ecosystem and, and the clubs within that system. Um, you, you can't, avoid it i mean the the uncertainty is everywhere we're dealing with it in all facets of our lives not just soccer and in 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 sports but we're, we're dealing with it with our kids and education and school we're dealing with it with our jobs um you know getting out uh, as you mentioned the stay-at-home orders that are in in effect in, in a in states across the country so this this idea of uncertainty how how has it made it so difficult for a club like yours to 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 do anything uh not knowing when the end is coming i mean that that's such a great point the point of uncertainty and in fact that's the conversation we had with our our member board earlier this week before um 
we set a deadline for ourselves to decide, are we going to play between you know, May 15th and July 15th? Um, because we were finding that we were spending a ton of cycles on um, trying to find all these options. Okay, so if we we're able to set up this little mini tournament or these games with these teams, what's the financial look like? Do we have the facility available? You know, what's the, are there vans and buses and all that? We're, we're spending an enormous amount of time on this, trying to figure it all out. We had no answers for, um, you know, people who bought season tickets or some of our, our fans who, you know, rightly wanted to know, hey, are, are we going to play? Like, what what's happening? Um, and it, it became, again, this huge time sink to go um, over and over in, in like what we're doing. And that's where, with the NPSL getting out ahead of it, at least they um, were decisive. And we made the choice to try and find alternatives to play if we can safely do it. So, you know, that, that, that's on us to spend the time. Um, but it, it's, it's, a, it's a lot of, you know, it's a lot of effort. And then, you know, from things like the US Open Cup or, or the UPSL, which has, you know, like nine different um, ways that they may complete the season, but no real timeline and when they'll decide, uh, that gets really difficult because we have to leave our, players kind of hanging in the balance, you know, it's, it's difficult to make decisions. You don't know what you're committing to financially or not. Um, so, you know, being able to take the uncertainty and there's always gonna be some, but take as much of the uncertainty out of things is really critical. Um, you know, because it's not like anyone is out here <laughs> like making money, right. There's, there's no, there's no margin. And so you have to be really, um, really careful what you're, what you're committing to, um, but also from the player perspective as well, you know, we can't just play tomorrow. We need three or four weeks to get these guys fit again so they can, they can safely play. Otherwise we're looking at, you know, terribly unsafe thing for players. Um, and so that, and there are a lot of, you know, we've, we've got to be booking things or booking travel. There are a lot of factors that, that take time that when you just sort of keep kicking things down the road, you're not able to commit to. Um, and that, that lack of commitment, you know, just, it makes people uncomfortable. It's not a great experience for fans. You sort of, you almost lose more interest when you haven't made a decision than if you're just able to decide, you know, we're going to, we're going to play in August or we're not going to play at all or whatever. And then you can focus on doing other things. Um, I know this is a, this is an unusual situation, right? I mean, who's ever had any experience with a pandemic and, um, everyone is really, struggling with it but yeah that that uh, that uncertainty puts us into it into a tough place like i get a lot of questions where is the club going to end up financially i don't know <laughs> I, I don't know um i don't know if we're going to have any games i, I don't know you know every, pretty much everything's up in the air so um and that 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 makes me really uncomfortable um you know i think probably as a as a club will we'll be fine. We've got great members. Um, we were just lucky enough to launch our, our jerseys before the season. So, um, that, that was fantastic for us. So we will be, be okay. Like, don't, don't get me wrong there, but typically it's pr particularly right now, I have a pretty good idea within probably about, you know, 5%, you know, give or take exactly where we will end the season. And now I, I just kind of doing the shrug emoji. Well, when you're when you're looking at the the effect on players, what have what have the players? How have they you know responded to the pandemic and the uncertainty and the questions and you know just and you guys just 
really honestly not having answers uh, because no one has the answers at right now in terms of timelines and when, etc. cetera. Uh, how have the players responded uh, to this and, 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 you know, what, what have they, you know, expressed in terms of from the player perspective, uh, you know, how the pandemic is affecting them? Yeah. I mean, that, that's a great question. And, you know, for, for our guys, they don't want to play. Right. Like they love the game. Um, you know, they're, they're young athletes. They want to get out there and play. They understand why, why we're not. Um, but their, their enthusiasm is undimmed and they've been, um, you know, passing each other, like juggling challenges and stuff like that on WhatsApp and on Twitter. And it's, it's been pretty fun to see. Um, but also th- this, this really surprised me and I wish I had been, uh, been more prepared for it, but you know, we've had a number of, players who they're just they're they're really into the club um and they want to do something and they have more time on their hands than maybe they expected um and it makes sense because you know we ask we ask a lot of a, a time commitment from them uh, you know the training sessions we'd be starting to play and all that right now so they'd be in season um and so they have this big block of time that i was uncommitted we've had we we had a uh, a player who um you kind of a designer and artist and uh, he wants to start creating uh, uh, new kits for us for our fifth year in the NPSL next year. And he's got some crazy designs. We've got a guy who um, kind of wants to dig in just in terms of like ticketing and analytics and figuring out how do we do that. So we, we have these players who are volunteering to, to do things with the club. Um, we've got a set of guys who are doing a kind of college recruiting webinar for high school kids. Um, and, and they're just, super keen to uh, help out the club even though they're not playing. Like I said, I wish I'd been ready for that because I didn't, we didn't have all these plans in place. We sort of didn't know what to expect and how long, but, but that type of response um, is really, really cool. Um, and I think it just sort of shows like there, there's a hunger for the sport. Everyone wants to keep their club alive and, and stay active and um, seeing the players do that is, has been uh has been really great. And I wish I could give them answers, you know, cause they are doing their best to try and stay fit, but um, you know, there's, there's just only so much you can do on your own to get close to, to match fitness. And I'm certain that when it comes time to train again, um, <laughs> they won't be as fit uh, when they come back as they were when they left. In, in terms of the club culture, uh, what, what kind of club culture have you guys created that has allowed you to attract those types of individuals, um, you know, who happen to be players, but, but, you know, people that, you know, want to be involved with the club, even, uh, even though maybe right now their role as a player is on pause, they're like, Hey, I'd like to jump in and help or learn about the ticketing or design some, some jerseys or, 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 you know, all the different things you've mentioned, the webinars, etc. What do you think it is about your club culture that has allowed you to attract those types of players and people into the club? You know, I think that, um, I think there are a couple of things that, um, when, when we, we set out to be, um, a club that we would have liked to play for the kind of founding group. And so the, there was a, a dear friend of mine who I mean, I've known him since the eighties. We grew up playing soccer together. And then um, it's, it started with us and a friend of his. And we, we kind of met this network of people 
So we had these principles in, in mind um, that we, we do our very best to live up to. One of them is, you know, we don't ask anyone to do anything we wouldn't do. So, um, you know, you see a lot of um, that kind of founding group and, and anyone who has sort of a, a leadership role, like they're, they're getting into the muck and they're, they're doing things, um, you know? Uh, so we, we sort of created a culture of, of doers. Um, we have this uh, kind of principle of transparency. We, we share our budget. Anyone can look at it. You can decide if you're doing a bad or good job. You know, um, we, we share what's happening um, out to the players. We, we tell them, um, you know, here's what you're going to get. Here's, here's why, here's how we, here's why we train the way we do. Here, here's how we select the teams. We try and be extremely transparent so that um, we're kind of honest and everyone knows what's, what's going on. Um, and I think that sets up uh, kind of the, the next part too, which is um, we, we really consciously try and have fun. Or like that's kind of that's kind of the purpose, and sometimes it gets a little bit ridiculous, uh, like on social media. But um, you know, that's allowed us to attract a group of fans the, the way that we have, and a group of players, um, because you can see so it's just a group of regular people. Um, everyone can get involved. We're inviting you to dig in, and we're going to be honest about how it happens. And you know what? You might even enjoy it. And so we've found players um, who have played in different. Uh, different clubs and different leagues. And we get a lot of them who come from USL two and others who come back because um, they love the culture. Um, and we also, I'll have to give credit to uh, like our, the sporting staff because we're super organized and the, the trainings are at a high level. We have just incredible, um, an incredible trainer MLS level trainer. Um, you know, we have a lot of the, the things that players would be looking for anyway, but having that overall culture and, and frankly that um, those examples of uh, people just getting into it and having a good time, I think invites people in. Um, and then once they're in they recognize, yeah, th this is kind of a blast. And when I contrast that with, um, with other clubs, I think sometimes particularly at this level, everyone's dream is, um, you know, I'm going to have the, you know, I'm, I'm going to have my own, um, you know, Chelsea and I'm going to be Abramovich and, you know, I'm going to sit in the box and it's going to be awesome. And believe me, that would be awesome. I would love his yacht. I would love Stanford bridge. Those things would be cool. Um, but that's not what we are. And that's certainly not what we set out to be. Um, and when you, when you take our kind of a little more ramshackle people driven approach, um, I think the players get bought in in a different way because, you know, if, if I had a choice as a player, I'd rather play for, like a bunch of dudes and girls who are um, just having a blast trying to create something in the community. I'd love that. Um, I play way harder than some dude up in a box who's going to fly his helicopter off to a yacht. And I mean, no one's doing that in the NPSL, but there's a, there's a matter of attitude that builds into the culture. Um, and I think that those, those principles and, and that kind of like flying circus of weird is, uh, is a thing that, like the guys have gotten into and I mean, we don't really lose players, players, they always want to come back. And, um, yeah, I think it's, it's all, uh, culturally. So in, in terms of the American soccer ecosystem, uh, you know, it, news came out yesterday 
from FC Cincinnati, the uh, the team, um, the MLS team based in Cincinnati, uh, about you know the fact that like ninety percent, I think he said, of their revenues are are based on match day revenues. You know, butts and seats, cars in the parking lot, etc. Um, and and so you know getting very little from any other source of revenue, whether that be sponsor deals, whether that be uh, television money, which uh, around the world is the big driver of the economic engine uh, for countries. And that's not just at the top level. That money uh, filters throughout the entire system. It provides the revenues that allows federations and leagues to, to have money to distribute. Um, you know, th- th- that's the only way uh, to, you know, that type of commercial revenue is the only way to have, you know, exponential uh, financial growth. You know, if you've only got, you know, let's call, call it a round number here, 20,000 seats in a stadium, there's only so high you can go on your pricing before, you hit a wall uh, and, and fans go enough's enough. We're not paying anymore. Um, and so the only way to, to, to see funds uh, come into a league and into a club is with that commercial revenue that can come from outside of that fixed number uh, that taps into uh, a wider viewing audience, etc. So you're able to, able to leverage that. Um, and, and, and we've seen the premier league do that probably better than any other league in the world when it comes to commercial dollars uh, and, and television revenue. Here in America, we don't have that. It's it's pretty much non-existent. The FC Cincinnati, um, you know, uh, team um, uh, spoke to that yesterday uh, about, you know, the fact that, that it, it is so reliant on, on match day revenue. When you go further down into our system, below the MLS level, th- there is no TV money. Uh, there is very little commercial money uh, comparatively to the kind of ratios you, w- you would like to see um, from other countries. So when, you, when you're looking at the finances and, and the realities that you're facing with not just the pandemic, but having to run a club that's primarily based on, on a match day and then your match days get canceled. And a lot of people go, well, just, you know, play behind closed doors, even at, at an MLS level, that's, that's pretty much impossible because otherwise you're just going, look, we're, we are going to, just willingly play ourselves into debt because we we have no no shot of even trying to uh, you know at least reach reach a place of of somewhat revenue neutral without without butts and seats and cars in the parking lot. So as a club that deals with that reality that that it's relying upon match days to drive that's the economic engine of. Uh, of your club at, when you're looking at how do we go uh, from here, where do we go from here, etc. How does that reality shape your conversations? Yeah. I mean, that, that really gets to the core of it. I think there, there are two factors because you brought up, you know, what if you played behind closed doors or did something like that? And I want to address that first because um, I think it's, it's often easy enough to say, and you're like, oh, just charge five dollars and people, you know, view your stream or whatever. Um, 
Well, it's not, it's not quite that easy. Um, because so assume that you're in a situation where, uh, two teams in a facility have agreed that it's, it's safe to play kind of behind closed doors. Um, well, you have to assume that for that to happen, there has to be some sort of a, a testing regimen. And so then just for the case of that, let's assume that we're at a point where it's appropriate for soccer teams to take tests and not, say, leave them for firemen or nurses or people who might really need them. So we'll, we'll assume that, it's, that it makes sense for us actually to, to be doing this. It's still probably $110 a test per person. And when, when, when should you do that? When are you going to get the results back? Do you need to test people? And then do all the players, do all the coaches, the staff, the video production people, do they also have to be in a hotel for a couple of days? So they're quarantined. How does that work? Um, and I bring that up because you've just now added a massive expense on top of that game just to do the testing, just to be safe. Not to mention what type of testing regimen and safety protocols do you have to have for the three, three or four weeks leading up to that as the minimum training time for you to have players who are fit enough to safely play um, at this level. Um, so it, it can, be, can be extremely expensive um, just from that. But then we're asking on top of that, we're going to ask people to um, watch our stream and have to pay for it. And I know that everyone's out there looking for, uh, um, for sports content. I mean, me too. I, I would definitely pay to watch a game now. We typically charge $10 a ticket to come into our stadium and get really close to the players and get some food from the food truck and have a blast. I'm not sure that I'd pay $10 to watch even, even our stream. Um, you know, we'd absolutely have to level up the quality. So all of a sudden you get into these um, factors. Can we, can we even deliver something that's worth it? And we're really conscious of trying to make sure there's, there's a real value because um, then, then people like it and come back. Um, and how, how many people are going to, how many people are realistically going to watch it? You know, I, I know how many people watch our streams. I know how many people are in our stadium, even if it was $5. Now we've cut our revenue in half. We added all these costs. It becomes very difficult for me to see how that um, works financially. However, um, to this is kind of your broader question. We're in a pretty compared to other, other um, clubs. We're in a pretty good spot because you know, we don't have these big player salaries that we have to honor and pay. Um, and so we can, we have some flexibility to, to do some things. We, we have flexibility and costs that like FC Cincinnati doesn't have. Um, and so that, that definitely makes it easier for us. We also have this incredible uh, set of members who'd be our season ticket holders. And um, you probably saw when Detroit City canceled um, part of their season, their summer season, and are going to focus on fall with Nisa League, um, the response that their supporters got. Well, we put out an email running off that same day that said, you know, we are going to uh, make a call on May 14th. And if we play between May 15th and July 15th, which basically means if we don't play then, you know, the summer season as we know it is is gone. Um, that You know, everything's changed. And we, we said, um, we are going to offer two options. We will you know, refund your purchase, you know, minus we send them a scarf and stuff. So like minus that, cause you got it, but we'll refund the rest. Um, if, if you'd like, we know these are tough times economically and some people really need the money. And if you need it, you know, you should get it. And then we said, but also we're a 501c3. Um, we, we did have some expenses incurred. If you want to make that uh, tax deductible donation, you can, those will be the options. We don't know. I mean, we all hope we play, 
um, we'll, we'll decide with the member board May 14th, do a town hall, whatever. The response we got, just emails, you know, respond to that says, you know, no way, do not keep my money. You know, um, I want to support the club. How else can I help? We got a number of those has been astonishing. It's been very similar to what I saw from Detroit city. So, um, we've been really lucky in that respect in that, um, you know, we can, we can, res- we can respond a lot uh, differently. The big questions I think come from what's going to happen in 2021, because, um, yeah, like we, we do really well when we have home games that allows us to afford all the great things we want to do. Um, and typically can, give us a, a, a launch forward into uh, the next season. Right now we're going to have to we're gonna try and do a lot of community stuff, some digital engagement, and we'll probably end up being like a, a teacher company, um, which is, which is a very different, different way. Um, but if, if we had, if we had salaries, you know, if we were in USL or MLS, it would be 100% a different question because, um, you know, they've got all those players to play to pay. Um, you know, we don't. So you're, you're saying, um, if I, if I get this right, that if you actually build a culture that creates true community, that in hard times they come together, is that what you're saying? I just want to get on record, right. For all of those who, who, who look at American soccer and just think, you know, like, um, you can you can treat uh, the the spectators as just customers, as transactional relationships, and not forge a deeper bond. That that's okay. But in in hard times, it, the, those transactional relationships, uh, that surface level, they're like, eh, okay, whatever, and they they don't stay involved. And and I just I just you know I'm being really sarcastic for the audience here. But for a club like yours, like Detroit and others who have actually taken the time to try to forge a deeper relationship uh, in a in a community minded relationship with your your players, with your staff, with your uh, supporters, etc., that you actually try to come together during the season, you know, as a, as a club culture, you know, as bad as this is uh, right now. As a club culture, how satisfying and gratifying has it been for you guys to see the response of your supporters in in this you know unprecedented time? I mean, it, it's been incredible, but I think you you hit on it too. It, it's all about the culture. If you if you end up treating your you know your supporters like. Um, you know, revenue maximization targets or brand ambassadors or anything that's not human or personal. It's just obviously commercial. Then you shouldn't be surprised when they treat you like the corporation you are. Um, If, if you um, treat them different way and try and build a culture and and truly get into this together, then they'll treat you like that. Um, And it's, it's just what your mom said, right? Like the, you know, it's a golden rule type of thing. Um, but I think it is an important lesson and it's one that, um, yeah, you, you can do at greater scale. You don't have to be small like us. Um, and it, it makes a huge difference. You know, I, I don't want to downplay how, how difficult this is, has been 
you know, brought for everybody, but also even, even for the club, it's been tough, tough trying to figure out what's going on, but, um, it hasn't been as hard as it could have been, um, because of the, like the staff players and, and our supporters, they are so behind us. Um, and they, they just want us to get to 2021 or get to later this summer and play or whatever. Uh, they've, they, they're totally behind us. And that, that type of, uh, feeling, gosh, it feels good. It feels really good. I feel, I feel really lucky, um, that we are where we are. Looking at, uh, you know, the future, uh, you know, looking into the crystal ball for a moment, um, as, as you guys are trying to sort through, you know, present day realities with an eye at, on the future, obviously it's about, you know, what can we do that's, uh, sustainable, uh, that gives us viability going forward and, and ultimately to, you know, remain a club, a viable club. Um, when, when you guys are having these conversations and you're talking to other clubs as well, um, you know, obviously you want to get back on the field sooner rather than later. Uh, but, but looking into the future, what kind of conversations are you having in terms of, you know, where do we go from here, whether it's, whether it's 2021 or it's later this summer, um, you know, what, are, what is your hope and, and what is, what are the realities that you're seeing uh, with other clubs in similar situations? And it's interesting because for a long time, um, everybody sort of, was sort of looking for a governing body to make a call, make a decision. Um, and not just in soccer, but, you know, specifically in soccer, uh, everyone was, um, and then it became increasingly clear that that wasn't going to happen. There have been, there've been a few examples, obviously of leagues that have, have gotten out front and been decisive and, and the NPSL, um, you know, was, uh, was absolutely that, but, but people aren't really, really deciding. And we're even hearing that USASA is going to kick it to kick the decisions to the state associations. It's above my pay grade to say whether that's right or wrong, but, um, what's going to end up happening is the clubs are going to largely have to decide for themselves, um, which is a little frustrating because what's the point of a governing body if, if they're not going to help clubs at this time? Um, for a while there, you know, people were really hopeful that we'd be able to salvage some of the, uh, some of the summer season and we, we might get, we might be able to start in June, you know, July. Um, but as we're starting to, to see, just how serious and, and hard to eradicate COVID's been and look at some of the things that we would have to do to safely play in terms of those testing regimens and all that. Um, what I'm hearing from other clubs is the horizon for playing started to move out. So it used to be people are really hopeful, maybe mid June. Now it's more like maybe we can play in August, but you know, the, particularly at this level, I, I, I know an MLS and above, you know, they've, they want to play, but they have a business uh, that they need to uh, keep viable. Um, and, and that's important, right? <laughs> People make a living from that. Um, but, you know, kind of at our level, there's, it's a little bit more passion driven. And so, uh, you know, we and the clubs we've been talking to, if, it, if it's safe, they're doing everything they can to play. But as that horizon starts to move out more and more, um, assuming it still happens, we don't start to get some uh, good news. Um, I can see things starting to shift to 2021. And we've seen some clubs that have already done that, you know, whether it's because, you know, their facilities have told them we're, we're closed for the summer, um, you know, or, or for 
um, and kind of other reasons. I know, you know, sponsorship, you know, it's pretty much all dried up and, you know, we called our sponsors and said, you know, don't, don't pay us, stay in business. You know, you'll stay our sponsor. Let's talk next year. Um, you know, there, there, there are things like that, that are more, you know, as time goes on, um, I think we'll see more and more clubs at this level shifting in 2021. Um, because it's, you know, um, it's affordable, uh, it's, it's more realistic and you eventually need certainty. And that's why we set our date for May 14th. We just have to decide at some point um, and, and figure out what we're going to uh, spend all of our energy on. If we make that call May 14th, um, we'll have another one because we're hopeful that, you know, maybe late July or August we might be able to play. Um, but, you know, we won't know until we get closer there. I just, I feel like um, every day that goes on makes it less and less likely that we're going to see uh, – you know, kind of quote division four soccer playing this summer. How, how has the lack of communication and leadership from the Federation um, impacted you as a club during this, uh, you know, time? <laughs> you know, I, I think that in, you know, in a perfect world, you'd have a Federation that was, um, you know, the right mix of you know, kind of collaborative and decisive that they'd be out there talking to leagues, associations, etc., cetera. Um, and they'd be able to make decisions, even if they made decisions in stages, like there's, there's nothing wrong with, uh, and this is where I did like how USA say began things where they said uh, pretty quickly, no soccer activities until May 1st. Well, that, that was pretty decisive. We knew what to do with that. And everybody could um, safely make that move. It's as we're looking forward in this kind of middle time that uh, not knowing is is really problematic because, um, you know, take things like the Open Cup. That's out there somewhere. We think. We don't know. Are we going to play in it? When are we going to play in it? You know, like, <laughs> who's going to play in it? And I know they're, they're trying to figure that out, but... Um, and I'm sure they're talking to MLS and USL, um, but you know, oftentimes they, I don't know if they're skipping the leagues or if, if it's, it's the clubs or whatnot, but that breeds this level of uncertainty and you feel, you feel kind of paralyzed or frozen because we don't want to make a move that would, uh, you know, jeopardize our opportunity to play in the open cup if it's possible. Um, but but we just don't know, and um, you know it's the same thing with uh, playing this summer or you know having the leagues. If if there was someone willing to make a decision, and that's where again I'll give I'll give uh, NPSL credit. They went out and they made a they made a decision, and it was a it was a tough decision um, because they're not everyone agreed. You know, and I'll, I'll throw myself uh, in that ring. I think I mentioned it. You know, if if it had been my decision, I would have tried to push off uh, canceling for a couple weeks. Um, they, they were ahead of things and they were right. But they that did take a level of, of leadership, right? Um, and, and they were willing to do it. It's frustrating the Federation isn't. It just, you know, it feels rudderless. And um, I think when that happens, we have a lot of, uh, yeah, have a lot of additional risks. Um, it's already hard enough to... Uh, make it work in soccer 
you had this risk, you had this uncertainty. Who's going to come back? Is it worth coming back? Is it fun anymore? There are a lot of those questions that I'm certain people are asking uh, that if the Federation had gotten out in, in front of it, maybe they, maybe they wouldn't. You know, if, you're, if we were getting regular communication, what's the thought process? That would make me feel a lot better about things. Um, you know, and, and I'll just kind of stick with the, the Open Cup thing. You know, instead, we're stuck reading things in Sports Illustrated. And you had to reach out individually to get a response from anyone who could have told you whether that was true, that the, the article had said NPSL teams were out of Open Cup. And why didn't they just address that directly to everybody? I mean, it's just some of these things that seem so basic. That was a flurry of activity for a day and a half of people emailing and calling me and me trying to reach someone and asking other owners. What a mess. What a waste of time. Um, and, and stuff like that. I know it, it kind of seems small, but if you're trying to find out a way to save your club or save your club season, the last thing you need is a day and a half of screwing around because um, you're not getting a straight answer from the Federation about one of their tournaments. It's frustrating. Yeah, I mean, that was recent with the uh, the termination of the Development Academy, right? News starts leaking out. It's swirling all this, you know, uh, upheaval and emotion. And then, you know, no communication, radio silence. And then, you know, days later, all of a sudden, just, you know, kind of basically a one-page letter. Oh, by the way, we've ter- terminated the DA. And... <laughs> We're not going to leave anything in its aftermath. We're not going to provide any direction on what to do. It's just like, good luck. Uh, we're not going to actually be a federation uh, that does our job. We're just going to let you guys figure out how to do it for us. Uh, and it seems like that happens you know, way too frequently. And, and I don't understand why, um, you know, why others haven't uh, you know, really understood uh, you know, that aspect of, um, you know, the, the, the Federation and, and, and the detrimental effects that's go, you know, happening, uh, because of that kind of, you know, decision-making or lack thereof. So it, it, it's, it's very disappointing. And, uh, thankfully we, uh, we know that clubs like yours, uh, have built, at least locally, deep roots and deep, uh, you know, forged, uh, you know, deep, deep bonds uh, enough to where you're able to kind of, uh, you know, weather that storm and get through um, this situation. And that's that's our hope. So uh, that you guys, you know, stick you stick with it, that you come out of this stronger. Uh, and, uh, and, and we, we're certainly rooting for, for clubs like yours to do that as well. Um, if people wanted to check out the club and learn more about, uh, Minneapolis city, where, where can they do that? Uh, they can go to, um, our website, mplscitysc.com, or we're a lot of fun in, on Twitter at mplscitysc. Um, and yeah, hopefully people do. I mean, right now the, the ability to make an impact in soccer is to uh, is to support lower division clubs. Um, there have been a ton of people who have been buying stuff from our online store uh, recently um, with with little notes of encouragement. Uh, that that goes a long way. Like it, it, it makes everyone feel really good and like we're doing something great. But also, I just have to say that you know, even purchase buying a t shirt, buying a scarf, whatever. 
that helps clubs. It, it helps us a ton. It helps everyone um, at this level. And so, you know, it's, it's a real, uh, real impact. Um, and so one, thanks for everyone for doing it. But two, you know, if you're looking to help, whether it's us or, or another club in the MPSL or, or uh, USASA, um, you know, find them, buy something cool, send them a nice note. It'll, it'll make a big difference. Well, I appreciate your time today, Dan. Best of luck, uh, and and hopefully this this uh, gets sorted out sooner rather than later, so you guys can at least make concrete plans on when you can get back on the field. So, um, you know, ho- hopefully this ends sooner uh, <laughs> sooner rather than later, uh, and and uh, and we look forward to to seeing your progress on the field, not just how you've survived the pandemic off the field. So th- thanks for coming on the show. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Uh, absolutely. That is Dan Hodeman of Minneapolis City SC. That is our show for today. Thanks for tuning in. We appreciate it as always. Hope you have a great weekend. Uh, hope that uh, you stay safe out there and uh, that we can all get through this sooner rather than later. As always, you can watch the show at DanielWertman.com forward slash watch. And uh, there you can find some links to watch the show live each and every day, or you can just uh, download the podcast as well. Thanks for watching. We'll see you again on Monday.